thank you for your kind invitation to be with you this morning. We've all been through quite a trial since I was last here with all that's happened with COVID. And the call to be with you was an unexpected but a very welcome pleasure. I'm going to read from First Peter, first letter of Peter in chapter 1. Bring greetings from our fellowship in Bristol, Phillip Street Chapel. Uh, quite a few things have changed, really, as we emerge from COVID. Um, some things are back, others aren't. Uh, quite a lot of changes have happened during that time. But we're grateful for God's presence and blessing with us as we continue to serve him. First Peter, chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles in the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the testing, genuine, tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you've not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, now you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation... The prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Mm. We thank God for his holy word. Amen. Well, the words I want to focus you on this morning are found in verse 4 of First Peter chapter 1. 
particularly the narrow focus upon the words kept in heaven for you. Kept in heaven for you. Let me begin by giving you three examples of something kept. Firstly, I was with Jill, my wife, in a clothes shop and she wanted to try something on. So she turned to me and said, will you keep my handbag? So there I was, standing in a shop with a handbag. Something until I got married, I never imagined doing. (laughs) But I loved my wife for 36 years, and so I kept her handbag as she asked. Second one. Someone told me recently they had been burgled and lost a considerable amount of money. Where was it stolen from, I asked. It turned out they had kept it under their bed. One of the first places a thief looks, under the bed, in the bedside cabinet, in the wardrobe. If you have anything of value there, please hide it somewhere else. (laughs) Well, better keep your money in a bank. When it comes to keeping money and precious valuables, security really matters. Third illustration. We once arrived home from church and discovered we'd locked ourselves out the house. At that time, all the keys were inside the house. Since then, we've entrusted a key with a nearby neighbour. We all have things that at times we entrust to others to keep for us. Love, security and trustworthiness. They're just three of the things we consider when asking someone to keep something for us. The Apostle Peter says that something is being kept for every Christian. There in verse 4, kept in heaven for you. So what is kept? Who is keeping it? And for whom is it kept? That's where we're heading this morning. Peter's writing to those who have become believers, many of them in Jerusalem and the region. Those to whom he had been the preacher and pastor. But now they've been scattered by persecution and find themselves far from home. They were enduring what he says in verse 6, were various trials, living in different cultures, among people who spoke different languages. They had lost their homes and their livelihoods. They'd had to leave their church and their pastors. Peter's writing to encourage them. Not merely to get through this time of exile and its trials, but to grow in them. He says in chapter 2, verse 2, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. And right at the end of his second letter, he still has that aim. He says to them, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. One of the key factors in our spiritual growth is the hope that we have. That we live not just for the here and now, but we live 
on the promises of God, on what he has told us he will yet do for those whom he loves and are called according to his purposes. A hope that Peter describes here in verse 3 as a living hope. Trials and sufferings can sap our hope and it can drain away. Job found this. He said, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and come to their end without hope. That's in Job 7. That's how he felt. Hope had gone. But he would die in that state without hope. But Job was wrong. God had not abandoned him. And Job would yet see his hope renewed and increased to be more than it had ever been before. And that's Peter's aim. His desire for those whom he's writing. That this living hope would grow in them and sustain them and keep them going on in the faith. May God do this for us today. Well, firstly, then, what is kept? Peter tells us it's an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Some stories have a scene where the family and friends gather. They've come together because their rich relative has died, and they've come for the reading of the will. And the question goes in their minds, what has he left us? What have they left us? And this happens in real life. Carlotta Liebenstein was a German countess. And she had a fortune. But she didn't have a family. So who did she leave her wealth to? Over 70 million pounds. She left it to Gunther III, a German shepherd dog, the richest dog in the world. And it's rumoured that uh, Gunther III has died and passed his fortune on to Gunther IV. I don't know how accurate (laughs) that is. But it's a sad story, isn't it, really? But all she could think of of leaving that vast fortune was to her dog, God has a family. He has sons and daughters, adopted children, all believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has an inheritance for every one of his children. Do you know about this inheritance? Do you know what it is? The Apostle Paul prayed for the believers in Ephesus, that they would do so. Here's his prayer, it's in Ephesians 1. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering in you my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know What is the hope to which he's called you? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? 
Paul made it a matter of prayer that the believers there would come to grasp and know and grow in their knowledge of the inheritance that God has for them. Let's go back to the scene of the reading of the will and imagine that you're now there. You're one of the people who've come wondering, what have I been left? And the solicitor reads out the bequests going around from person to person and he doesn't mention your name. And then the very last one, your name is mentioned and he reads out, To so-and-so, I leave nothing. No inheritance for you. (coughs) Don't be that person. Don't die without Jesus Christ as your saviour. Don't die without this inheritance that he will give. Jesus told a parable of that day of judgment. The parable of the sheep and goats. And everyone is there, divided before him. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. What a wonderful inheritance. Mm. But then, he'll say to those on the left, Depart from me. You cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Don't be without that inheritance. But to have that inheritance, you need Christ. The inheritance, then, is the kingdom prepared for all God's children. It's what Paul talks of in Romans 8. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Joined heirs with Christ, the very inheritance that God has, that he gives to his son He gives to you, every child of God. What will will life in that kingdom be like? The Apostle John's given a vision of this. Let me read a little of it to you in Revelation 7. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them in his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Later in Revelation 21, John says that again. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. 
The Lord knows the tears of his people. And he will wipe them away. And he's told us that twice over. So that we really grasp it and believe it. This is the hope to which he's called every child of God. These are the riches of the kingdom. The inheritance of the saints. I ask you again, do you know that this is your inheritance? Prepared by God for you. Paul, having spoken of that in Ephesians. In Ephesians 5, he gives a warning. He says, for you may be sure of this, but everyone who's sexually immoral or impure or who is covetousness, that's an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. No inheritance. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Or make sure that you really do have Christ, Mm. that you belong to him. Don't rest until you know that you are his. And then you can rejoice in this inheritance. What is kept then? Well, the inheritance of a wonderful kingdom. This world transformed by God's love and power, filled with glory. That's the inheritance. Well, secondly, who's keeping it? We go back to verse 3 in First Peter And we see that the one keeping it is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Someone who loves you far more than you have yet realized. Someone who has the strength and the power to keep it. And someone who can be trusted. How do we know he loves us? Because he's the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The son he loves. The son he sent to be the saviour. The son whom he gave to die on a cross for our sins. It's the apostles prayer in Ephesians 3. That we will come to know that love isn't it? Mm. Paul prays that we may be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasseth knowledge. Who is keeping this inheritance for us? The Father, the God and Father of Jesus Christ, one who has loved us with a love of such vastness and depths and quality that we'll spend all of eternity and we'll always be marveling and wondering and discovering more of the greatness of his love. Yeah, amen. And then Peter describes how God is keeping it. There in verse 4, it's to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. When we were on holiday a few 
weeks ago, we saw a sign about a Roman town. Uh, We were up in uh, somewhere near Chester. We followed that sign and then suddenly didn't see any signs. And we wondered, have we passed it? Well, I turned to the, the left to find a place to turn around and go back. But actually, in turning to the left, it ended up there it was. They had uh, just not put any signposts anywhere near it. And uh, we got out the car, eager to see this Roman remains of a Roman town. And it had closed ten minutes before we got there. So (laughs) next time we go, we'll have to have a look. But uh, there are, across not just our country, but all over the world, there are ruins, aren't there, of once great civilizations. Ruins of cities and towns which were once full of people. And now, no more. They're just buried, and archaeologists spend years gently carefully uncovering them, don't they? The ruins around the once splendid kingdom that has now faded away, but not the inheritance of the saints, because God is keeping it. The God and Father of Jesus Christ, the one who raised him from the dead. Man can build fearsome weapons, We've been hearing again, haven't we, about the threat of nuclear war. Weapons that can destroy millions. But man cannot raise a single person to life that will last forever. Oh, they can sustain life. They can carry out wonderful medical procedures to extend life. But they can't keep life going forever. But God has done so. And he's done so in raising Jesus Christ. But Jesus now has an endless life. He is ever at the side of God. He's interceding for us. We need never fear that he will die again. But he has the power of an endless life. And God will raise all his adopted children to share in this kingdom the inheritance that he has for us. Mm. Our inheritance that he is keeping, it will always be imperishable, undefiled and unfading Mm. because it's kept by God. And it's kept not only by God's power and his love, but also by his promise. Kept because the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has promised and he is completely trustworthy. He's never broken a promise and he never will. God's word cannot be broken. All the promises of God find their yes in Jesus Christ. Including this promise of an inheritance that is for every Christian. The inheritance of a kingdom that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading. Kept in heaven for you. And with that we come to the third point. For whom is it kept? For you, Peter says. Who are the you? Well, he describes them in three, two ways. Firstly, he says, those who have been born again. Back in verse 3. 
According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Becoming a Christian isn't like joining a club. Pay your fee, sign the forms, get the badge or whatever identifies you as a member. No, it's a radical change that requires a work of God. And why should God do this work? Peter tells us, because of his great mercy. Mercy is never deserved. No one has ever deserved to become a child of God. It's always of grace. And God is rich in mercy. To be born again is nothing less than a miracle. A supernatural work by God's Holy Spirit. A change described as being changed from being dead, spiritually dead in sins and trespasses, to being alive in Christ. Being brought from darkness into light. From being a stranger to God, even his enemy, to being a friend of God. To be part of his family. Have you known this change? The inheritance is for all who have been born again. That's a much derided term, being born again. Many years ago, one of my predecessors in the first pastorate uh, called all the ministers together. And the congregations came together on a Sunday evening after their services. And he began by saying, let's begin by asking all the pastors to share their testimony of how they were converted. Well, the first one stood up. I I should tell you, many of you will know Andrew Patterson. It was Andrew's grandfather who had been one of my predecessors, Tom Macbeth Patterson. And his son, Ken, told me this story. There they all were. And the first minister stood up and he said... I've never been converted. I don't believe in that. Well, Tom, Tom grabbed, Ken told me that uh, his father leaned over, grabbed his Bible and went to the front and stood up and said, except ye be converted and become as a little child, you will never see the kingdom of God. And he then proceeded to preach to all the people gathered there. It really does matter. Yes. It really does matter. But sadly, today, there are those who do not believe in being born again. Mm. They think it's a mark of being fanatical. But it's not. It's here. The Lord Jesus spoke of that. Here's Peter. Peter learned it from Jesus. Mm. That you must be born again. And he's able to say to these believers who have been going through these trials, he's able to say, you have been born again. Mm -hmm. That's why you have faith and hope and love. Because God has done that work in you. And he is keeping that inheritance for you. And not only is he keeping that inheritance, he's keeping you. Mm -hmm. He's keeping you. The inheritance then is for those who have been born again. The second description, it's for those, he says in verse 5, who by God's power are being guarded through faith. 
for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Guarded through faith. Belief, faith, is the link between ourselves and God. Without it, we will plunge into hell. It's therefore the most important thing in the world. Faith is the link by which Jesus takes hold of us and saves us, giving us eternal life, transforming our lives until we become like his. He died on the cross to do this for us. His precious blood was the price of our salvation. And Peter tells us when this will be. It's not the moment we die. That's very often what we we think, that we will inherit the kingdom when we die, that we pass from this world into that kingdom. But that's not quite what Peter says. It's through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This kingdom is a kingdom that will one day reach its climax and its glory when Jesus returns. And it becomes that last time. When we die we go to be with the Lord which is better by far. But it's at that last time we will receive that full inheritance of the saints when the kingdom will be revealed in all its wonder and glory. But not only does God keep the kingdom for you, he keeps you, brothers and sisters in Christ. Not only is our inheritance kept, but we are being kept. Kept by that same power of God. What a comfort for those who first received this letter. Mm. Yes, they'd suffered persecution. Yes, they were in exile. They were in the midst of trials. They'd lost their homes, their livelihoods. But they were not lost. Because God was keeping them. God had kept them. He was keeping them. And he will keep them. And the same is true for every Christian. The best is indeed yet to be. This wonderful kingdom that was their inheritance. What a hope, a living hope, to help and live for the Lord here and now. Well, let us do so in the light of this wonderful truth. May God grant us grace that we may do so in our time. Let's pray. Amen. Kept in heaven for you. Father, we marvel at those words. Mm -hmm. What do we deserve? Lord, we are ashamed of our sin. We do not deserve the least of the blessings. And yet you bring blessings into our lives every day. You are rich in mercy and the wonders of your grace. But Lord, you do not deal with us as our sins deserve. But that you deal with us in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. That you've caused us to be born again, to be united with Christ. 
to be dressed in his righteousness, that when you see us, you see us as the people who belong to the Lord Jesus. You've given us to him. And he has saved us and kept us. And we thank you that that day is coming at the last time when salvation will be fully revealed. When the kingdom of God will be complete. And Lord, we look forward to that time. But oh, there is that within our hearts, Lord, which would feel for those who are not yet the Lord's. We long that they too will be there in that kingdom that they too will have the riches of this inheritance. Mm. And so we plead with you, Lord, to save them, we ask. Save those in our families who do not yet know Christ. Save those whom we live among and share our lives with who do not yet know you. Save those, Lord, who live around here, who see this place of believers coming and yet perhaps have never yet come themselves. Oh, Lord, work salvation, we pray, that there will be many to sing the praises of the Lord Jesus Christ, both here in this time and in eternity. We give our thanks to you for the riches of your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Praise the Lord.